Hello, and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,955. The topic is nutrition, and the title is The Best Foods for Muscle Growth. Ooh. (laughs) If you're training to build muscle, you would likely want to know what the best foods to do that are. Uh, And if so, that's what today's podcast is for. (laughs) Uh, What we're going to cover is how do we we decide what is, quote-unquote, the best food? Does that mean, does it have the most amount of protein? Or does it have the most amount of, like, micronutrients? Does it have the best digestive quality? Like, what is the bioavailability? Like, all these components, there's there's a lot of things that can factor into what makes a food, quote-unquote, the best. So I want to clarify that and kind of go through a little bit of a discussion. So the first thing we're going to look for when we're trying to grow muscle is we have to be in an appropriate caloric surplus. We have to have enough protein that the muscle can be built from. We have to have enough energy, whether that comes from carbs or fats, to provide the energy to the process of converting the protein to muscle tissue. So we have to have a little bit of a caloric surplus. The right amount of caloric surplus allows us to build muscle without gaining unwanted fat. But if we don't have a caloric surplus, doesn't matter you know how great of food we eat in regards to all other qualities of the food. If we don't have enough calories coming in, we don't have growth. So the be-all, end-all, kind of the top thing we have to know is, do I have enough calories? Now we're going to talk about, you know, is that on a 24-hour period? Like, do I need to have enough calories per day? Or is it per section of the day? Per hour of the day? <laughs> so how do we define having enough? Then would be protein. So if I know I have enough calories, if I have enough caloric energy to support the process of muscle growth, I have to have the protein, which is what the muscle is built from. I have to have the right amount of protein. And that also then breaks down like timing throughout the day. If I have all my protein at one meal of the day, is that appropriate? Is that quote-unquote best? Or should I have my protein spread out throughout the day? The next thing I have clients focus on is to keep their sugar levels low away from workouts. The reason why is we want the food that we consume away from workouts to digest at the kind of the rate that we would expect for the food we chose. You know, if I choose something that's really high in fats, I know that's going to be a slow digesting meal. If I choose something that's kind of like a moderate or medium carbohydrate, it might take, you know, three, four, five hours to digest, where a fats item could take eight to 12 hours or even longer to digest. I really just, I'm going to choose the foods I'm eating based on the time between my meals and maintaining a proper amount of sugar throughout the day and per meal ensures that the timing and the digestion of those meals doesn't happen kind of too fast. We don't just want a dumping of the nutrients into the bloodstream and then all of a sudden there's this large gap before we eat again. So sugar helps in regards to not incorrectly manipulating the digestion rate of the meal and then also keeping sugar levels 
intact, uh, intact, uh, kind of keeping them where we want, keeping them optimal, reduces water retention. It can help reduce cravings, uh, which I know if you're in a surplus, you likely aren't going to have cravings, but it's still something that can manipulate the way in which we feel hunger-wise. So it actually could cause you to start to overeat, and maybe you go from a proper surplus to too much of a surplus, and now all of a sudden you're gaining unwanted body fat. So sugar intake is important, and it's something we want to be mindful of. We're then going to look at the digestion rate of the food, the digestion quality, and then the timing and kind of distribution of our foods throughout the day. So those six elements are what we're going to look for when we try to think of what are the best foods for muscle growth. Calories, protein, sugar, digestion rate, digestion quality, and then distribution or the timing of those foods throughout the day. What's interesting, and at least, you know, I find this interesting, (laughs) is if you go to YouTube and you watch, you know, an IFBB pro or even a natural pro, like a drug tested pro, do like a day in the life where you get to see what they eat. What you're going to find is that there's a large variety of foods that the athletes consume. Some will do shakes, a lot of shakes. Some will do no shakes. And they'll say, like, shakes are the worst thing ever. (laughs) But yet somebody apparently has earned a pro card doing shakes. Uh, So you're going to find some opinions um, that aren't necessarily facts, but they're opinions. Uh, But people will use shakes. Some will not use shakes. Some will use, you know, like beef like fatty meats. Others will say that that's, you know, horrible and you should stay away from that. Some people are going to do it vegan or vegetarian. Some people are going to eat a lot of animal products. There's going to be a lot of variety to the specific food selections that you see. But what is underlyingly consistent in all the situations is the calories, the protein, the sugar, the digestion rate, digestion quality, and timing. They're all, no matter what foods they eat, they're aiming to have an appropriate surplus. They're all, no matter what foods they eat, aiming to have an appropriate amount of protein. They're all aiming to minimize sugar outside of training. They're all aiming to eat a meal and have it be processed and be hungry enough by the time for their next meal, whenever that time might be. Maybe they eat in four-hour blocks, like every four hours. Maybe they eat, you know, I have have a meal now, then I have three hours I can eat, but then I have to go six hours without eating. So that meal before the six hours, I increase my fat content in that meal to make sure it digests slower. So that way, if I have to wait six hours to eat, it actually matches when I'm going to be eating next. So no matter what foods they pick, maybe they do that by adding more, like, yolks to breakfast. Or they add uh, more of, like, a fatty-type meat Maybe they add uh, oil, like fatty oils. Maybe they add like uh, nuts or like a nut butter, anything that has fats. They might be adding something to a meal to slow down the digestion of that meal. Others might be taking fats away from their meals so their meals process faster so they can eat more often throughout the day if they struggle to eat enough. So when I have clients who struggle to eat enough during the day, we keep their fats very low Everything they eat processes a little bit quicker. Therefore, they can get a whole extra meal in by the end of the day and not feel stuffed and bloated and miserable. Then every video you look at, they're all selecting foods that have the best digestive quality for themselves. A lot of professionals, a lot of high-end people, they'll take digestive enzymes and digestive aids. They're very mindful of their digestive quality. 
So they'll take, uh, you know, um, probiotics, things like that. Uh, no, like Zypan is uh, something that you can take to help break down high fat content meals. There's a lot of different things you can take uh, supplemental wise to help with digestion. And then the timing and the distribution is going to be scheduled around their activities for the day. When do they work out? Do they have meetings they have to deal with? Do they have to travel? Uh, and like I said, do they struggle to get enough meals in so they try to time it to where they get more food in more often? But those are all the elements that when you watch any video of anybody telling you what they eat, all of these underlying components are in place regardless of the actual foods that they choose. So it's important for us to know that. How do we know what are the right amount of calories? Uh, I do have podcast 1,232, which is a good podcast that you can listen to. Um, and we also have, uh, let me see here. There was one we did recently where it was like create your own nutrition program. So let me see if I can uh, find that one which I uh, know it cannot. <laughs> okay, so uh, podcast 1,232 is a great podcast. If you can't go back that far to that podcast, you can go to our website, www.brutalirongym.com. Go to the free nutrition education page. The first thing on that page is how to create your own nutrition program. So it links together that podcast. You can listen to it and then you can follow the steps. So if you want to write your own nutrition program, which would include trying to figure out you know, how much protein um, you should have, how many calories you should have, the way it should be timed, all that is available on the website totally for free. And then the other podcast I was talking about was podcast 1928, so it's not too many ago. It was a Q&A podcast titled Writing Your Own Nutrition Program. So you can listen to that podcast, 1928, you can go to the website, but either way, you're going to find the answers on how to personally, like for your individual needs, find the calories you should be at, the protein you should be at. Sugars, I tend to try to aim for everybody to be under 60 grams per day. Uh, some people, if they're coming at me with like 200 gram intake, we just try to get down to 100. Then as they do well from there, we might go down to 80, then down to 60. But typically I, I have most people around 60 grams of sugar a day. Then for digestion rate, digestion quality, and then the timing of the foods, that's all very individualistic. So let's touch on that a little bit. One of the things we're going to look at is when do you work out? That will influence the foods that you pick. So for example, if you work out in the morning, if you're trying to build muscle tissue, you absolutely should not work out fasted. Don't do it. Literally, just stop. Don't do that. <laughs> um, the reason why is your body will not perform with its like best performance, creating the best stimulus if you're in a fasted state. So podcast 614, if you want to find that podcast, it's an older one. So you can go to our website, www.brutalironjim.com. On the bottom of the homepage, we have a podcast player that goes back 300 episodes. But underneath that are instructions on how to find older podcasts. Podcast 614, we talk about the effects of caffeine-fueled fasted workouts. So if you just pop some caffeine in your face and then work out in a fasted state, it 100% will eventually hold you back. No doubt, no exceptions. Um, the only people that you'll see maybe get a quote unquote get away with it will do morning cardio 
in a fasted state. Not their weight training. They'll do cardio in a fasted state. And typically, they're going to be hormonally supported. They're going to have exogenous forms of testosterone. They're going to be taking some other drugs. And that's going to help protect their muscle from being broken down. But if you are not on drugs, like the steroids and like illegal type ones, uh, hormonal protective ones, and you do fasted cardio, you will lose muscle tissue. And it's going to slow down your metabolism over time. It'll make it harder for you to lose body fat. There you go. (laughs) So hopefully that'll save you. If you actually believe me, that'll save you a lot of stress. Everybody I've ever gotten an IFBB pro card with, drug tested pro card, anybody that's got on stage, we've never done fasted cardio. I tried it when I was younger myself and with a couple clients back in the day, like way back in the day. Uh, And um, it just never felt right. It never felt effective. When people first started doing this, I think it was like the maybe the early 2000s. And it kind of became like a thing, is fasted cardio. Then all of a sudden, they did research a little bit. Bodybuilders were trying it in the gym. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's not working as well as I thought. Like, I I did it a lot pre-contest. I came into the contest a lot less muscle than I thought I would. So I found out that, you know, I, I need to do fasted cardio, but I need to have protein ahead of time. So all of a sudden, it was fasted cardio, but you're supposed to take a protein shake beforehand. Well, then they found out that, yeah, that didn't quite work. It made fat loss harder later in the prep because the metabolism adjusted. So I'm going to do fasted cardio, but I'm going to have protein ahead of time and a quick low amount of carbohydrates. So maybe it would be like I'm going to have a banana and like protein powder. And then that would be my fasted cardio. It's not fasted anymore, jackasses. <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you? It's in the way. But that was what it started becoming. It's like, well, you want to do your fasted cardio in the morning, but you want to have some carbs beforehand and some protein beforehand. Well, it's not fasted cardio. Like, ugh. <laughs> it used to drive me insane. Uh, because there are very educated people that would say it that way. And I'm like, just stop saying fasted cardio. It, the reason why they wanted to keep saying it was because they'd been telling everybody to do it. So they were trying to make sure that it still looked like they were right. Uh, but it's like, no, it is just not the most optimal way of doing it. Absolutely not. So I would recommend you don't do that. (laughs) Uh, If you work out in the morning, you want to have some calories ahead of time. Simple carbohydrates, quick and simple protein. Mostly those are going to be like sugars and then some kind of protein powder. That's typically going to be the best source. Then you want to favor the beginning of the day for the majority of your calories. So I encourage clients to break their days down into three six-hour time blocks. We can manage our macronutrients per 24 hours relatively easily uh, in, in concept. I know there's some challenge to it, but the concept, the understanding concept of, you know, calories and protein per 24 hours makes sense. The downside is our body absolutely does not use calories and protein per 24 hours. It uses it per second. So within a 24-hour period, I can have very, like, unoptimal (laughs) uh, intake frequencies. I can have really large gaps without calories, then have too many calories at once. I can have large gaps without protein, but then so much protein at once, it's not even, you know, truly optimized. There's a lot of ways that you can be inefficient with your calories and protein within a 24-hour period. So I encourage clients to check their calories and protein per six hours of being awake. 
Typically, we sleep 6 to 8 hours a day. That leaves 16 to 18 hours of being awake. If you break the 18 hours into 3 6-hour blocks, that's going to be pretty good for managing your nutrition uh, during the day. So the first 6 hours, I would encourage people in most situations to have a third of their calories and protein because it's the first one-third of them being awake. The second 6 hours have the second third of your calories and protein. The final six hours have the final third of your calories and protein. Now, when I get into higher level clients, we'll change that distribution up. Rather than doing third, 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 we do what's called half quarter, quarter. So the six hour time block associated with when they work out, we will have half of our daily calories and protein or as close to that as we can. And then in the other two six hour time blocks that we aren't working out in, we would only have a quarter, like 25% of our calories and protein. So if I have 50% in one of my thirds, and then I have a quarter and a quarter, that gives me my 100%. But the idea is, is the time block in which you work out, you would want to consume more calories and protein than the other time blocks. So our distribution for morning workouts might be in the first six hours of being awake, we want to have a half of our calories and protein. Then the next six hours, a quarter, 25%. The final six hours or so, 25%. That's going to be great. And for most people, that'll look wonderful. You'll feel fantastic, assuming you're having the right calories, protein, and sugars are controlled. And then for digestive quality, you're going to just consume foods that digest well. If something makes you bloated, stop eating that. If you eat something and you have to run to the restroom afterwards, stop eating that. Try to find foods that when you consume them, you like the taste, and your body doesn't try to get rid of it immediately. <laughs> you know, that kind of process. Now, if you work out midday, our, our distribution will be changed to the second six-hour time block will likely be when you'll have the majority of your calories and protein. So the other two time blocks, the calories and protein comes down. So you might follow a quarter, half, quarter kind of schedule. With that one, we would want to have carbs for breakfast. So even though you're not going to work out till midday, we won't have carbs at breakfast because you're waking up with less than full glycogen storage, which is carbohydrate storage in the muscles. So you want to have carbs for breakfast so that we can start to fill up your glycogen storage, your carbs stored within the muscle storage, because that's energy for workouts. And then after workouts, since it's already midday, it might even be afternoon now, you want to bring your carbs down. I would typically focus on having less carbs at the like in the second half of the day and have more of my carbs in the first half of the day. So we want to have carbs leading into the workout, not coming out of the workout. Now, we just talked about early morning workouts. That's a little different because after the workout, you still have the whole rest of the day to go. So the first half of the day, I would still consume carbohydrates, but then I would start to taper the carbohydrates off in the second half of the day and favor more fats because we're, going to be, we're not going to be as active. We're not going to be utilizing the food that we're consuming as quickly. So therefore, it would make sense for us to have it want to digest slower. Then if you work out in the evening, you can have carbs or fats for breakfast, whatever your preference is. As long as your calories are controlled, you're not going to worry about a surplus of, you know, if I eat carbs, you're not going to immediately get fat. It would just be if you overeat carbs, you would get fat. Just likewise, if you eat fats for breakfast, that's not some kind of, you know, special, amazing, a lot of keto breakfast, therefore I'm going to be, I'm going to be leaner. No, 
If your calories aren't correct or controlled, then it's very easy to overeat calories with fats because there's over twice as many calories per volume of food of fats than there is in carbs and protein. There's nine calories per gram of uh, in, in fats where there's four calories per gram, and these are averages, four calories per gram in carbs and protein. So when you eat a volume of fats compared to a volume of carbs and, and protein, you're going to get twice as many calories from fats. So when people think, well, I have you know fats for breakfast, I don't eat carbohydrates, so I'm you know I don't have to worry about getting fat. No, <laughs> uh-uh, that's not how that works. Can't eat a pound of bacon and then just be like, oh, I'm totally fine because I didn't have carbs. No, you're still going to count calories. You're still going to figure out how many you know calories were in the bacon, how many protein was in the bacon. You're still going to do all the same math. Uh, so whether you have carbs or fats is a matter of preference. But the reason why we would want to have carbs before a workout is it's a better energy source. Our body will break that down quicker, store it into the muscles. We'll have more like kind of gas in our gas tanks. Uh, of our muscles so we can have better workouts you will have better workouts when you're fueled by carbohydrates than fats for like most people like 99 percent people i very rarely have ever worked with anyone who when they were training for maximum muscle growth they did better on a a higher fat content diet than a higher carb content diet it's damn near exclusive <laughs> uh, that carbohydrates are better when eating for growth. And one of the main reasons why, since it digests quicker, you can eat more often throughout the day, you can get more calories in, you can get enough calories and protein in to meet your goals. Often when people consume a large amount of fats, they struggle to eat often enough. They can eat a lot of calories in one meal. They might have a 1,500 calorie meal, but they're so full that they only have two of those a day. And it doesn't give them enough calories, doesn't give them enough protein. Whereas if they have, say, just a 1,000-calorie meal of carbs and protein, they can have four of those because they digested quick enough, and now all of a sudden they have enough calories, they have enough protein. So a matter of like carbs versus fats is preference in regard to digestive timing and the time you have between meals. Let's say an evening workout person. Uh, like we said, carbs or fats for breakfast. You're probably going to have carbs midday, so that way you have a little bit more full uh, glycogen stores leading into the workout in the evening. And then post-workout, I'm probably going to do exclusively fats and, and protein. There's really no need for carbs because you're about to go home and go to bed. Uh, there you go. Now, the distribution for that is you can still favor that final time block have more car, uh, calories and protein there, but you're going to be having it through fats and protein, not carbs and protein. Next question I often get is intra-workout drinks. Do you need an intra-workout drink? Not really. You know, It's not a need thing. If you have appropriate amount of calories and protein coming in from your whole foods, it's timed out well before your workout, so you feel like you have good energy for the workouts, you don't need an intra-workout drink. I prefer to have one. Uh, because that is when my body is in the most kind of need and has the highest demand for uh, calories, for energy, and protein for repairs and starting to like push the growth process. So I prefer to actually have my, my energy consumed through whole foods ahead of the workout. So carbohydrates ahead of the workout, I want them to be digested, processed, stored in the muscles. I 
I find that I have better energy for a longer time period during the workouts if I'm fueling my workouts from whole food carbohydrates consumed at a meal or two before the workouts. Whereas if I have to drink sugars because I'm behind in food, it's just not as good of energy. I don't find it to be as good of energy. You kind of flatline, like lose your energy faster. It just doesn't have the same kind of like uh, sustainability for energy. However, I do like to consume amino acids during my workout. So I use NutriCost Essential Amino Acids, fruit punch flavor. <laughs> uh, very cheap for an amino acid supplement. And it's great to have amino acids just floating in your system, free, ready to go, as soon as the muscles would need them uh, during the workout. So I consume that during the workout. It also helps hydrate me during the workout as well. So when it comes to the best foods, quote-unquote the best foods, for muscle growth, there isn't necessarily like you should have, you know, white rice compared to brown rice or you should have, you know, white potato compared to sweet potato. The specific food is going to be an individual preference. And that is shown in every YouTube video of every bodybuilder or fitness athlete talking about you know, what they eat, it's such a wide variety of what they eat that that gives us the answer. I mean, that's the proof in the pudding. You know, the proof that a wide variety of foods work. So there's no need for you to follow one specific approach that in, it involves specific foods. Like, oh, you have to have chicken and rice. No, you absolutely do not have to have chicken and rice. There are professional bodybuilders, professional fitness athletes who don't eat chicken. Seems like sacrilegious, but it happens. <laughs> there are people who look amazing that don't eat chicken. You do not need to have chicken and rice. Absolutely not. What underlyingly needs to be in place is calories, protein, sugar, digestion rate, digestion quality, and then the timing and the distribution of your foods. That's what matters most. Okay. If you have any questions, if you need anything, you can always go to our website, www.brutalirongym.com. We have a lot of free information on there. And then the bottom of the first page, the homepage, is uh, like a contact form. You can always send me any message about any podcast or anything you see in the website or something you want to see on the website or what you want to hear in the podcast. <laughs> you can always make a request or get in touch via the website. If you like the podcast... Please share the podcast. If you like the podcast, please consider donating to support the podcast, which you can do on our website. Also, if you like the information we share in the podcast, so you can find more from us on our social media channels. You can find us and follow us on Instagram and YouTube under the name Brutal Iron Jim. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.